you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing. And oh, we're back to just being an audio show again. We are, we've gone back to our roots. Time is a flat circle. We're back to where we started, all that good stuff. So we're back to being just an audio podcast. We're with you a couple of times a week. Thank you to everybody who tuned into the video show all season long. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, but now we're back to just doing what we do, which means we can be a lot looser. We can be a lot free. Uh, I'm also excited that that at least for the time being, uh, I've got the same guy with me a couple times a week, and it's Michael F. Florio. Uh, Florio, welcome. I'd say welcome, but you've been here. I mean, so welcome <laughs> back. Ha- happy New Year. How about that? Happy New Year, Michael F. Florio. Happy New Year. I am very happy to be joining you a couple times a week on this show, Marcus. I know it's going to be a ton of fun, and uh, I hope you had a good New Year. I did. I did. I'm, I'm curious, how did you spend your first fantasy-free Sunday uh, this year? I think you'll be very disappointed in this answer. Um, I spent it watching football all day. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I, I didn't watch it all day. I tuned in for a little bit of Steelers Browns in the morning. Uh, I watched the majority of the Rams Cardinals game in the afternoon. I watched a good chunk of Washington and Philly uh, in the evening. So I did end up watching football most of the day, but I also like took a break, I, you know, did a little exercise, I read some comic books, drank some whiskey. So I, you know, I kind of tried to get some football and real life balance thrown in. I, I was doing other stuff like normally. I just am on the couch, like tweeting, looking at stats, watching football all day. But like this time, like I cleaned out like my bedroom for the first time since football started. And I got rid of like a bunch of Christmas boxes. And then at night I, I had to put that game on my phone. It was hard to justify having that game on TV when my fiance sitting there like, why are we watching this? Fantasy is over. This is two teams that are like six wins or worse. Like, and she's not a big football fan. And even she was like, these teams are no good. Why are we watching this game? <laughs> no, it's fair. I think it's fair. I think a lot of us sort of felt that way at some point too. Um, I'm I'm not diving into this whole Nate Sudfeld, Doug Peterson thing. <laughs> Just not. Uh, Twitter has gone on about it for days. It has been argued out. I'm over it. So, yeah. Um, you know, now we, we, we are still sort of in transition. If there's one thing that's been consistent about this show is that it has been inconsistent and there have been a lot of moving parts. So one of the moving parts uh, is our producer, Steve, Steve Manny, uh, who has stepped in before in the past. And so, Steve, glad to have you back. I don't know if this is a long time permanent thing, but uh, if nothing else, Happy New Year. We're glad to have you here, man. How are things? Yeah, we're doing all right. Happy to be here for a little bit. You know, this uh, past weekend, well, you folks were maybe playing checkers. I was playing Cones of Dunshire and did do (laughs) a Week 17 championship um, and finished hilariously uh, way out of the out of out of winning my league uh, because I'm a Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill kind of guy. So I think we're done with that. And I think I should listen to your advice in the future. (laughs) Um, That's that's going to be a worse because if I'm not mistaken, you're a Lions fan, too, right? 
Uh, I think they canceled the game this week and the week before <laughs> that. And in the past few years, they haven't played in some time. Uh, no, it, it, the Lions have been tough to watch. It's kind of a a red zone kind of kind of Sunday for me. Uh, I understand. I, I get it. Look, we all we all. I feel like everybody at some point needs to have a team that they cheer for that just is miserable and drags them down. Like it's no fun. You know, that's, that's why people generally don't like the, you know, the Yankee Laker cowboy combination, because it's like, you know what, man, like that that stinks. Everybody needs some hardship in their life. Uh, And so if you're a Lions fan, you you've experienced hardship for multiple lifetimes. Um, And and people are becoming Browns fans all of a sudden or, Packers fans, all of a, like you should see the state of Michigan. It's uh, it's almost like they forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was trying to think of like what's what's good. I mean, the, the piss, no, the time, nope, no, 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 you're, <laughs> no. This, this game yeah, doesn't well, end well in Michigan. You got some uh, college teams sometimes. I mean, no, not this year. <laughs> I will, I will, Michigan I will, basketball. I will tell you what a friend of mine uh, was told by Sean O'Hara when he talked about being a, a, a Detroit fan in sports, uh, Sean O'Hara looked at him and paused and said, um, Hey, well, eight mile was a pretty good movie, right? So- <laughs> That's right. We got that. We got that. Oh man. All right. Well, thank you, Steve. We uh, look forward to certain chat. We'll start with you again at the end of the show. We've got some fun stuff planned. Uh, for good. Uh, so what we're going to do for the next few weeks is exit interviews. Um, in the past, when I've done these sort of as a written piece, I've done them by division. But this year, I decided to kind of switch it up and do them by uh, projected draft order. Now, there's a little bit of a twist in there because some teams don't have a first round pick. So we will put those teams in where they, in theory, would be picking. So we'll do four teams a day. Uh, you can do the math. Four teams uh, a day, 32 teams. It's eight shows what, two shows a week, four weeks. I feel like Dan Hans is going through his 32 <laughs> teams, 16 games. Uh, so anyway, we're going to start with the teams that are slated to have the top four picks. We'll go through, we'll talk about things that went right, went wrong, and just some general questions about them heading into 2021. So uh, let's kick it off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have the number one overall pick, you might have heard. Uh, there's a guy coming out of Clemson that uh, allegedly will land in Jacksonville. He'll make the short trip from a relatively short trip from Clemson, South Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, presumably. Uh, certainly a lot can happen between now and the draft, but uh, we'll see. But uh, just the the stats on the Jags, they finished the season 1-15 on a 15-game losing streak, Mike. They won in week one <laughs> and lost 15 in a row to end the year. So my first question to you, and this will be the question I ask probably for all these teams, is Tell me something good that you saw happen for the Jaguars fantasy-wise in 2020. That, to me, is a pretty easy one, actually, right? Like, it's James Robinson. Like, he was the only Jaguar player, I think, this year that as long as he was healthy, you were starting him. Like, there was no receivers we could say that for. Obviously, I liked Gardner Minshew coming into the year, but he's not a must-start quarterback. Neither is Mike Glennon or uh, Jake Luton, if people <laughs> forgot that he started a couple of games this year, too, for this team. Uh, so James Robinson is the lone big bright uh, spot from this season, I would say. Like, he was a top-10 fantasy running back, and that was even so missing uh, the final two games of the season. But, like, he came out of nowhere, stole the job from Leonard Fournette after he got cut, and then just outproduced what I think Leonard Fournette would have given you on this team. And he is looking like a legitimate top-two-round pick next season. 
I yeah, I, I think this is an easy call that it is James Robinson. And and this is coming from somebody who really tried to sort of shoehorn LaVisca Chenault into a sleeper role for much of the season. And you know, Chenault had some moments where where he was good. Uh, but it really was the, the James Robinson show this year to go from an undrafted free agent to a guy who was a top five fantasy running back by the end of the year. Um, you know, kudos to him, kudos to him taking advantage of an opportunity. And I think you're right. I don't think Leonard Fournette would have done this had he stayed in Jacksonville and had this opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if you're anything, if you're the Jaguars, at least you feel like you have something at that position that you can move forward with, which I guess spins to the next question is for you, what is one thing or maybe the biggest thing that you feel like needs to improve for this team in 2021 for them to have some more fantasy relevance? I think for them, they need to improve their quarterback and lucky for them, they have the number one pick in the draft, so they have a very clear path of how they can do so. But I think we've seen that, like, you bring in a young quarterback who who can do some things like that, like Justin Herbert. I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence is going to come in and have a Justin Herbert effect exactly, um, but a lot of people are really, really high on Trevor Lawrence for fantasy next season. And I think that right there is, like, not only does that change your organization for fantasy purposes, like it just changes you as a franchise. And I think the Jaguars have a lot of reason to feel good right now. Um, but before I get super excited for Trevor Lawrence, I do want to see who they bring in to call the place. That's going to be a big thing. Obviously, you know, Doug Marone was let go. So they're going, there's going to be a coaching change there in Jacksonville. We do expect that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback spot, which the the Jaguars have been sort of down this road of thinking they had found a franchise quarterback. I mean, it, it wasn't really that long ago that they drafted Blake Bortles with the expectation that, that he would really turn things around. He didn't. Um, <laughs> in fact, Blake Bortles, I think when it's all said and done, his biggest claim to fame might be just a recurring punchline on the good place. So that, that might have something to do with it. But, you know, if if you believe what is being said about Trevor Lawrence, that he is the the greatest quarterback prospect we have seen since Andrew Luck, uh, that he could be a transformational figure here. And I think that is going to be, uh, you know, kind of what everybody's looking forward to. I mean, we're going to have a lot of draft talk between now and April, but I think it's all going to kind of start with Trevor Lawrence going number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So if he goes one to the Jaguars, like we expect, does this mean he is the number one overall pick in dynasty rookie drafts next year? As of now, he would be for me. Uh, I think if a, a big running back lands on a spot where like they can see, you know, close to 300 touches. And and I know that sounds kind of wild, but we've seen it before, like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, that would be the only way that changes. But I'm it would it would need to be a really good running back in a really good situation because Trevor Lawrence. I mean, for three years now, Marcus, we've heard the hype. That in 2021, this guy's going to be the first pick. He's the second coming of Andrew Luck. Uh, you could pick any of the numerous ways people have built him up in the last three years. But that's all we've heard about is Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence. So uh, I think that obviously any team that drafts him is going to give him a long run as a starter. And I think obviously his ceiling is a lot higher than just being a NFL starter. Like he can be a QB1 in fantasy. And quarterbacks careers we know they just last so much longer like a running back could be out of the league in five years a la Todd Gurley but Trevor Lawrence he could be in the league for the next 20 years so yeah I think he is the number one pick in dynasty right now and Marcus I don't know if you've seen this or not but have you seen people starting to make the, the case for fields over Lawrence in real yeah. life not even fantasy yeah I've, I've seen that um 
I, I feel like that's just because we need something to talk about for the next three or four months, right? <laughs> like, and, you know, and maybe there are people out there who really believe it, right? And, and I, I saw a lot of it kick up after last weekend when Ohio State beat up on Clemson and Fields in that game outplayed Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't think anybody was disputing what, what happened there in, in that game. I feel like, though, this is just this is conversation for the sake of conversation. And, you know, it's like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Great White Hype, um, which is you know kind of a fun kind of comedy boxing movie from the 90s. But basically, the whole point is there was a, you know, a heavyweight champion who's being challenged by some you know nobody, uh, you know, washed up guy. And over the course of the movie, they make you believe that this washed up nobody actually has a chance to beat the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, and then it doesn't happen. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> if I have to say spoiler alert for a you know, 20, 30 year old movie, whatever. Is it a real, more realistic version of Rocky? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, in the, in the sense that, yes, this, this washed up dude ends up not winning. Yeah. Uh, in that respect, it is a more realistic version of Rocky. Um, but I feel like that's sort of what this this fields conversation is. And we're going to talk it up. And by the, you know, we might get to March and you might start to think in your head like, hey, maybe there's a chance. But there's there's not a chance. Like this this thing is locked in at this point. Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jaguars, I'm, you know, unless something really catastrophic happens, which you hope you hope it doesn't. But but this is kind of what it is. Um, so you talked about James Robinson and you mentioned the fact that he looks like a, a top two round draft pick. Can he do it again? Can he do what he did in 2020? Can he do it again in 2021? Or is this just a flash in the pan? So can he be the RB7 in just 14 games next year? That I find a little bit hard for him to produce because it was something, Marcus, that I didn't really think of until you mentioned it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. You were like, I don't foresee James Robinson having – no competition at all like he did this season. And I started thinking, and then I looked at it, he had 40% of the Jaguars' touches this season. The only players that had more were Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. James Robinson is a great running back, don't get me wrong. Is he in? Is he a Derrick Henry or a Dalvin Cook in the sense of you give this guy the ball 25-plus times a game and don't think twice about it? I'm not sold yet, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in or drafted another running back to be a complimentary piece just to keep Robinson fresh I think he is obviously the starting running back for the Jaguars next year and I think that he is I I have him ranked as an RB1 lower end RB1 though uh, not top five or anything like that so my concerns with him are are what you pointed out like I think he'll have some competition but it's all going to depend on his price like if he's going in the second round of fantasy drafts I will definitely be interested in him but if he starts going in say the first round and there's some other running backs that I like more around him because I have him as like my RB 10 or 11 right now, then that'll, I won't like him nearly as much. I, I just think they are going to bring somebody else in, whether it's somebody that's currently on the roster that didn't play this year or somebody they find in free agency or the draft. I just don't envision them giving him that many opportunities. Also, I mean, look, if we go back to them drafting Lawrence at one, I can't imagine they're going to try to lean on their running back. I think in some respects they sort of had to lean on James Robinson because he was the most consistent thing uh, when you didn't know what you were going to get week to week from you know, uh, Gardner Minshew or Mike Glennon or Jake Luton. Um, that made it easier for you to just turn around and hand the ball to your running back a whole bunch of times. If Lawrence is the guy that we all believe he can be, um, you know, sort of like what we saw in Cincinnati when Joe Burrow was healthy, that they had him throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. 
that very well could end up happening in in Jacksonville this year. And if he does end up throwing the ball, say, you know, 35, 40 times a game, who is he throwing it to? Can you can you pinpoint on this roster who the number one receiver in Jacksonville is right now? I can't pinpoint who the number one is. I think I can pinpoint who their top two are, uh, at least who I want the top two to be and who the fantasy community want the top two to be. I think it's DJ Chark and LaVishka Chenault. Um, But Keelan Cole, you know, he's shown flashes throughout the last two years with the Jaguars. So he is definitely going to be someone in the mix. I think like D.D. Westbrook is just cast aside. And Colin Johnson, who who showed flashes at times, I think he would be behind those other guys. But they used a first-round pick on LaVisca Chenault, so I expect them to give him lots of opportunity. And then D.J. Chark, we saw what he did two years ago, uh, and, and he flashed at times in 2020. So I think that those are the two odds-on favorite to lead the way. And for fantasy, the one I would like best is whichever one is going cheapest because I don't feel <laughs> confident in saying either one is the wide receiver one here. I think that I think that last part is really fair. <laughs> um, you know, I I will admit that I will probably uh, again wave the flag for Chenault when we get to 2021. But you're probably right. Whichever one uh, has the best value overall, who's going later in drafts, is probably the one that will be the best bet. Um, because yeah, I think it is between Chark and Chenault for who leads the team in targets next year. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see who else sort of uh, slots in. And, and look, part of this is, it goes back to your point earlier, a lot of it depends on who is calling the plays, who is the offensive coordinator, who's the head coach, um, and how they decide to run their offense. That will have a lot to do with what this Jaguar offense looks like in 2021. All right, let's turn now to the Jets, who for a long time seemed to be in the driver's seat for the number one overall pick. Then they ended up winning a game somewhere along the way that ended up meaning a whole lot of nothing for them, except for now they don't have a shot at Trevor Lawrence anymore. But let's just start with the good. What did you see from the Jets that actually was good in 2020? I mean, I saw more out of the Jaguars that was good for fantasy than the Jets. Like, <laughs> in all seriousness, what did the Jets do that was good for fantasy? They gave us a couple of Jamison Crowder games. Like, I, I would say – their one good thing they did was they threw to their slot receivers and they were predictable in that sense. Like Marcus, you've said it a bunch throughout the year, like Jets slot receivers. And when it was, it's Jamison Crowder. And when he was out, it became Braxton Berrios. Besides that, really, there wasn't a whole lot of good, I guess Denzel Mims showing at times that he can play in this league. Cause there was a lot of questions about him coming in. Uh, is he just, you know, like a raw athlete who can't really run routes and stuff, but he showed that he can play in this league, I think. But besides that, I mean, there was not a – we had Frank Gore as their lead running back. We had Sam Donald, who's probably going to be on another team. They have a new head coach. Like, even the Jets knew there was nothing good about 2020. Yeah, I'm really trying to think. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, we got to you know, joke about Frank Gore being eternal. Um, there wasn't much there. I mean, look, there was a point – and I am an unabashed Frank Gore stan, right? I, I love the dude. But at some point in the year, I wanted to see LaMichael Piran, right? I wanted to see him get more opportunities. And I know he got hurt late in the season. But there was a point early in the year, midway through the year, when you just knew the Jets weren't going anywhere, that nothing was going to happen good for this team. And it just didn't make sense why they kept trying to, to force the Frank Gore issue over and over again when it's like, let's see what's going on. Let's see what's going on with the young guys. Let's give P. Ryan some opportunities. Heck, even even to give Ty Johnson some opportunities. Just something, uh, just to see what you have back there. But no, no, we kept doing the same old thing, and and that was that was sort of you know whatever. 
it was very Jetsy of the Jets. That's <laughs> that's sort of all I know. Um, so then, if there was nothing good that we found, I guess this makes this next question a really big one. <laughs> what what needs to improve in twenty twenty one? And I mean, if you want to just say everything, I would accept that answer. <laughs> I, I will say everything except I think they're actually pretty set with their the talent they have as, as pass catchers. Like I, I like the receiving core of Mims, Perriman, uh, and Crowder. Do I think they can obviously get a wide receiver one and improve there? Yes, but at least with, with Mims, you give him the opportunity to see what you have there. Uh, and I, I Marcus, I know it's going to be gross to say, I still think Chris Herndon has talent. I, I'm <laughs> done backing him for fantasy, but – I think that he is a talented pass catching tight end. So I think that that is an area they don't need to improve this year, but desperately need to improve their play calling. Uh, we all know that. I mean, sorry, Adam Gase. I, I know you're out of a job now, but it, it's since he's been hired, we've all kind of been poking fun at the Jets offense because it's just been brutal, especially for fantasy. They need to upgrade the quarterback. I, I know Sam Darnold. I, I think Sam Darnold still has some hype market, uh, some potential markets, but I think he needs to go somewhere else. Like I think he needs a fresh start. And then their defense looks good at times, but I think they need to improve their defense as well. Their O line too. I'll give them that. They they did a good job improving their O line this year. Yeah, I know. You know, they they did some things up front that were certainly very helpful. Um, look, I. Yeah, I, I really feel like everything is sort of the generic catch-all answer about this team. And I'm glad you said something about Chris Herndon because I was just going to ask the question anyway. Um, so the fact that you sort of jumped on it, I appreciate that. Because it's funny, every time he does something, and it's not very often, but he'll catch a touchdown or have a big play. And it's like, you know, the Chris Herndon hive just starts to like kind of like a mild buzz. The buzz is getting quieter and quieter because I think people are sort of jumping off that bandwagon. But... Um, I do think that we'll get to next year. And if we have, you know, if we have a preseason, if we have anything, you know, closer to normal, uh, I do expect we'll hear the Chris Herndon buzz to, to pick up again, just because, you know, I mean, some things are eternal. So, uh, but other than <laughs> like, that, like Frank Gore wanting to play again, like Frank Gore, man, if he comes back, <laughs> like, I know he's talking about maybe hanging it up. He's 37, but like, I really want him to hang in this league long enough for his son to make it. Like I want, I want Frank Gore Sr. and Frank Gore Jr. to be on an NFL field at the same time. If they're on the same field, that's even better. But I just both want them to be drawing an NFL paycheck at the same time. I feel like that's not too much to ask. So um, It would be great to get like a magazine cover with like them two and then like LeBron and his kid. Like right. th that would be a lot of fun. I mean, it's like it was like I, I was old enough. I had the Griffey, the next generation poster, right, where it was like junior and senior on the same poster you know, in front of their respective lockers. Like, I want one of those with Frank Gore. Like, ah, that's, this that's may cool. be the only opportunity in NFL history we have <laughs> to see that. It really might. This might be like <laughs> our only chance. So let's make that happen. Um, all right. So you mentioned Adam Gase out of a job. Not really of a surprise. If you had to pick, if you got the chance to pick the next head coach for the Jets, who would you pick? This might sound like a cop-out answer, but I will take anyone that is not Brian Dabble or Eric Bieniemy because <laughs> I think both of those two guys can be coaches of the next great offense. Like, I don't understand why the Chargers are calling Jason Garrett. I don't get that one at all. I, I want one of those two guys going there because I think Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Eckler – if you retain, you know, Williams or Henry, like those 
that offense has all the pieces to be the next great one in this league. I do not think the Jets do. So selfishly, I want the Jets to leave the good offensive minds to other teams, and then they can go get their pick of any coach that's left, and I'll be happy with it. Well, you're not going to like my answer because I want Brian Dable to go to the uh. Jets. <laughs> like, I mean, just seeing what he has done with Josh Allen, right? I mean, we, we came into this season – and basically, I felt like the the report on Josh Allen was, hey, he can run really well. He's got a big, strong arm. He, he's not accurate. You know, maybe Stefan Diggs will help. And all of a sudden, at the end of the year, he's got more fantasy points than any quarterback in the NFL. And a lot of that is owed to the offense that they've put together, the way that Dable has worked with him. And so I think regardless of you know whatever happens with the Jets, They've got to figure out their quarterback situation, right? And maybe it is that they maybe they take Justin Fields at number two. Who knows? Um, but they got to figure something out. And I, after seeing what Dable did with Josh Allen, um, you know, I wouldn't mind turning the keys over to him and seeing what he could do with with whoever the quarterback is going to be. Now, who knows if it's Sam Darnold? Whether or not he's back, I know you said you feel like he needs to go somewhere else. Um, so if, if, you know, let's assume that he does not come back. Is there a spot you think would be good for Sam Darnold next year? There is a good amount of QB needy teams out there. Um, I made a list the other day. I'm pulling it up real quick. It is – here it is. I can't find my list now, Marcus. I'm struggling <laughs> on the – but, oh, here it is. So it's, it's the Steelers, the 49ers, the Broncos, Washington, and the Chicago Bears are five teams that I could see playing with a different quarterback in 2021 than they did in 2020. Of those, uh, maybe Broncos or like the Bears. I, I yeah. selfishly want to see Jameis Winston go to Pittsburgh because I think that that would be a great fit. And I, I'm not sure if Sam Darnold uh, can get the most out of those pieces there. But I think he just needs to go somewhere else. Get a fresh start. I, I feel really bad for him. I, I know you're a USC guy, Marcus. He had a lot of hype coming out. And then his head coaches for the last two years were Adam Gase. And before that, it was Todd Bowles with a rookie quarterback clearly trying to rely on his defense. I feel like the Jets did Sam Darnold no favors. Like you look at the pieces the, the Bills put around Josh Allen. You look at the pieces the Browns put around Baker Mayfield and the offensive weapon. I know like they didn't give Lamar Jackson great pieces, but he is Mark Andrews. He is Marquise Brown and he is a great head coach and a great uh, offensive coordinator. Sam Darnold has none of that. He has Jamison Crowder and Chris Herndon and Adam Gase. So I, I think the jury is still open for him, but I think he needs a fresh start. And I think that Jet the Jets need a fresh start because if you go into next season with Sam Darnold, he's going to be on the hot seat. And within like a month or two, fans are going to be, especially if Justin Fields plays well, fans are just going to be complaining and, and wanting to turn on the GM. So I, I think that they need to trade Darnold. May, hey, maybe you're 49ers. Maybe you uh, bring him back out to your West Coast. I, you know, I've heard that, you know, as much as it would be interesting to see him back out here and in some variation of red and gold, some variation of cardinal and gold like he was in college. I, I don't know if he necessarily is a good fit in a Kyle Shanahan offense. I'm not I'm not totally sold on that. When you gave your list, the two teams you mentioned were the two teams I thought of the Broncos and the Bears that just seem I, I don't know. It just seems it, he seems really suited to be a Chicago Bear 
Um, I, I don't I don't have any real logic as to why. I just I can see him in a Bears uniform and I can see him actually doing well, especially if the Bears figure it out and decide they want to re-sign Allen Robinson and keep him around there. Um, we saw Darnell Mooney p- uh, play well at times down the stretch. Uh, I still think Cole Komet is the tight end of the future. David Montgomery picked it up at the end of the season. So it's not all bad in Chicago. So, I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to him going there uh, and maybe playing for the for the Bears next year. You also mentioned Denzel Mims uh, and the fact that, you know, he there was nobody in this offense that really had a breakout season. But let's say all the, the pieces fall into place. Right. They get a good head coach that maybe they draft Justin Fields. Can you see Denzel Mims being a breakout player in 2021? Yeah, I definitely can. Like, I get it. It's hard to say that when his season high this year was 10 fantasy points. Um, but I I still like I liked him coming into this this year, Marcus. I, I didn't love him for fantasy, but when we were, you know, when it was draft time and stuff, I was like, Denzel Mims is a wide receiver that if he lands in the right spot, I think he can be a fantasy impact player because I like his abilities. He's a big bodied, really fast, really athletic wide receiver. The one knock on him was his cutting ability, but that was also a knock on DK Metcalf. I'm not saying that he is going to be the next DK Metcalf, but I think a lot of the times with prospects, people get too hung up on one thing that they do poorly and they tend to overlook all the many good things that a player can do really well. And he, Mims is a field stretcher. The one thing I didn't understand in college was how he didn't do more damage after the catch. Like he was basically wherever he was catching the ball, like that's where he was going down. And I didn't get it because he's so big and so fast. But I think in the right offense, in an offense that could give him the ball in space or something like that, he definitely has upside. And if if the Jets are coming in next year with a, a combo of Brian Dabble calling the plays and Justin Fields as quarterback and Denzel Mims as their wide receiver one, yeah, I definitely think he can break out in that situation. I, I think he is – if I'm building my wide receiver core, he's the guy that right now I definitely want to build around. Jamison Crowder has done really good things, but we also know at this point who Jamison Crowder is. I think we've sort of seen him hit his ceiling at this point. Uh, Rashad Perriman, I know they brought him in to maybe be a, a field stretcher. But again, I, I feel like at this point, we sort of know who Rashad Perriman is. Um, I would like to see what Denzel Mims can do. I know that right now, the the list of Baylor wide receivers in the NFL is not a very good one. I'm just kind of going down the list. Um, and I would say that the most productive one that is, uh, I guess, currently in, in the league, and even I say currently is sort of, a, you know, an asterisk, it's Josh Gordon. What I mean, what you got? You got Mims. You got Jalen Hurd, who's hurt all year. Corey Coleman. I'm excited about him. Uh, yeah, I think Jalen Hurd's gonna gonna be something big. You know, when when he's healthy and he's out there, I think he can be very productive. But you know, Corey Coleman, I think is is what out of the league at this point. He's a free agent. I mean, Gordon has his indefinite suspension, so we very well may never see him again. But the list of Baylor wide receivers currently in the league is not a very exciting one. I know that's you know. Every player is different. Just because you went to the same school doesn't mean anything. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's some professional pride in there. I have no idea. <laughs> um, all right. That takes us to the Texans, who in normal times would have the number three overall pick. They traded that. They don't have a pick in the first round or the second round uh, as part of the trade for Laramie Tunsil. They don't have a first or second round pick. They were four and 12. 
the Dolphins have their number three pick. So you've taken a Dolphins team that is already putting something really good together that just missed the playoffs. Uh, That was a 10-win team this past year. And now the Dolphins get two first-round picks to try to make themselves even better while the Texans, who are 4-12, are floundering around. Uh, They don't – you know, they're figuring out their head coach and general manager situation, and they have no picks in the first couple rounds. Uh, what was good for them <laughs> in 2020 out of all this? Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller I, I, and Brandon Cooks. I, like, I think their their passing game was the lone bright spot. Uh, I don't think enough people realize. Remember Marcus coming into the year, like we were, wor- people were worried about Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. He scored a career high fantasy points this season. Like he had a really good year. He's the only player in the NFL to have at least 320 fantasy points in each of the last three seasons. But I feel so bad for him because his prime is really being robbed of us, not for fantasy purposes, but for real life purposes <laughs> because of Bill O'Brien. Like he traded away his top wide receiver. You got, you traded away all your draft picks and now you're gone. And Deshaun Watson has to sit here and live with this mess that you created. Um, but this is, this is a passing game offense that, like, I, I love Deshaun Watson. I, I was super high on Will Fuller coming into this year, and I think he lived up to those expectations. I think Brandon Cooks was better than expected. Kiki QT was a thing at the end of the year. I mean, Chad Hansen was a thing at the end of the year because of Deshaun <laughs> Watson. He is a super bright spot for this team that doesn't have a lot of bright spots. I Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it, it is all about Deshaun Watson, and I had him on a couple of rosters. I, there was – for me in drafts, you know, I knew I wasn't going to, to reach and get a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson where they were coming off the board, but I was willing to wait until, you know, round four, five, six. And so there were a handful of guys that I drafted repeatedly. I got Dak Prescott in a league or two. Unfortunately, that you know didn't work out well because of the injury. Uh, but I had Russell Wilson in a lot of spots. And I was also able to get Deshaun Watson in a couple of spots. And I, I, I flash back to the first few weeks of the season when Watson was scoring like you know, 16, 18 points the first few weeks. And there was that whole, you know, oh no, is is he really going to fall off the cliff? Does he really need New Hopkins to be there? And then he turned it around and he was great the rest of the season. And I don't think you really had to worry about it. I mean, at some point I just, you know, that was a part of my lineup that I just left it there. I didn't have to worry about Deshaun Watson regardless of the matchup because I knew that he was going to be okay. What needs to get better, though, for the Texans? You know, the passing game seems fine. Is it just as simple as they got to fix their running game, their offensive line? What needs to be better for them next year? I think uh, I would like to see the O-line improved because the one knock against Watson is he does take a good amount of sacks. So I, I think the better protection you could get for him, the better. Uh, I think the running game, but I, I don't really expect them to upgrade it a whole lot because – you just went out and you traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. And then you have Duke Johnson still under contract. Like it would not surprise me if they drafted maybe a running back later in the draft and went in just with those two veterans and a young running back. But my hope here is that they re-sign Will Fuller and they keep him as their wide receiver one and they keep the passing game intact. And you, they def- desperately need to improve that defense. But for fantasy, Having a bad defense is a good thing because it leads to <laughs> throwing more. He threw a career high in passing yards and touchdowns this year. So if you want to keep the defense like it is, that's cool with me. 
he yeah he ended up the, you know, ending the year as the passing leader in terms of yardage so yeah that that definitely helped out um that was one thing you could sort of count on week after week because you knew the Texans were going to give up probably 30 points which means Watson was going to have to throw the football to to keep them in games so because of that right I would say Deshaun Watson's ADP what around round five six something like that last year was he underdrafted considering all the things that he ended up doing with you know, a, a good but not great wide receiving core. Is it is it possible that he was underdrafted this past year? Um, I think he was in the right spot because he was going in. And this was the first year, Marcus, that I kind of got away from the weight on quarterback approach. And I started to take the fifth or sixth round quarterbacks because to me it was a group of. So you had Mahomes and Lamar going early. But after that, I had it Dak. Uh, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. All of those quarterbacks ended up playing really, really well this year. Like Watson was top five. Kyler was top five. Josh Allen was the QB one. Dak was putting up video game numbers before he got hurt. Russell Wilson was the QB six. And for most of the year, we were talking about him as an MVP candidate. So I don't know if he was underdrafted. But I do think the depth of the quarterback position, like he should, if all things were even, he would be like a second or third round pick. Um, But because quarterback is so deep, he does tend to fall. But I think he went in the right tier of quarterbacks. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Because it is what it is. And I think his wide receiver group next year is going to look a lot like it did this year. Um, but the fact that he was able to be so heroic for fantasy, um, but again, a, gr- a group that was good, not necessarily great. I mean, they, they would have been, I think, a different team maybe with DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know, maybe. They're, defensively, they still would have been bad and they still would have had to score a lot of points. But uh, I do think he was kind of in the right spot. So I think we, we sort of got that one right. Um, that being said, how do we feel about David Johnson next season? Um, he was He was okay. I guess that's the best I could say about him. He was just okay this year. Like, how do we feel about him next year? I Not great. Like, I, I get it. Weeks 15 and 16, he had big weeks. 24 and 29 fantasy points. It was because he had two touchdowns in one of them and 11 catches in the other. Besides <laughs> that, he had 19.9 in week one. And every game between that, except for one, he had 13 fantasy points or less. So... I kind of viewed him each week as he's going to give you a safe 11 to 13 fantasy points, which to me is a low-end RB2. And there's not a whole lot of uh, – he showed some upside at the end of the year, but I'm not interested in him in fantasy. He is another year older now, uh, and, and on a team that obviously likes to pass the ball, I just don't see what upside he brings. He's a lot like Le'Veon Bell was to me coming into this year, more of a upside and namesake than an actual production, I think. Yeah, when you you're invoking Le'Veon Bell, like that's that probably says a lot. And yeah, you said he was a low end RB two, and that's kind of where he finished uh, as a low end RB two. And I'm looking at the guys sort of around him. Uh, I mean, he was just behind Ronald Jones, who I thought had a good year, but had to you know, split time with Leonard Fournette. Also had some injury issues late in the season. Uh, Clyde yeah, I'd rather Jones next year. Yeah, yeah, I'd absolutely rather have Ronald Jones. And I, I appreciate you saying that because I know how you felt about Ronald Jones. <laughs> I, I will admit, I was like, Ronald Jones is a good, talented running. He's figured it out. Like, he's I think he, just, he needed that time the first year or two. And I think he is, he's here to stay now. Yeah, he's definitely figured it out. Um, I'm curious to see what the Bucks do 
uh, with that backfield next year. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely dive into that more whenever we get to the Bucks portion of this uh, of this series here. But yeah, you don't think they're just going to sign every veteran running back that gets cut again? Maybe they do it just to keep motivating Rojo, right? They're like, hey, we saw what he did with Leonard Fournette breathing down his neck. Maybe we'll bring in, you know, like, I don't know. Hey, Todd Gurley, you want to come on over to the happens? That would fit uh, perfectly. It absolutely would. Uh, but, yeah, David Johnson, I know, you know, Adam Rank kept wanting to, to try to get rid of him all year long and couldn't find any takers in a draft. Um, and I, I think that he'll be a guy that he'll get drafted in a lot of leagues, but it will probably be, you know what, here's the thing. My fear is that David Johnson turns into some version of Jordan Howard next year. Um, and maybe not that bad because at least DJ can catch the ball where Jordan Howard didn't. But you, where you are really relying on him getting in the end zone to get any kind of decent production next year. That's that's my fear of what happens to David Johnson in 2021. Um Will Fuller was outstanding uh, until getting suspended late in the year for uh, violating the, the drug policy, the performance enhancing substance policy. Um, does that have the impact on his draft status next year? Or do we just forget about it and just look at what he did on the field? So I'm going to give you a two part answer here. What I think the answer should be is we overlook it and we we look at what he did on the field, which was put up wide receiver one numbers when he was healthy. What I think is actually going to happen, though, is I do think the suspension is going to lower his draft price, which to me just makes him I'll be another guy another year where I'm just all in on Will Fuller like I was this past year because I had him on so many teams this year, Marcus. And when I drafted him on a lot of those teams, he was either my wide receiver three or like my you know flex option wide receiver four where I thought I don't have to start this guy every single week. And by the midpoint of the season, like, he was a no-brainer. I'm not even going to think about sitting Will Fuller because not only has he was he so consistent week to week, but we also saw, and, we, and we've seen it years past, that like when he is out there on the field, I don't think there's a player who has higher upside than maybe Tyreek Hill, but he's in that same group as them. Like He has so much upside. But I joined a 2021 slow draft Marcus because I'm a, a maniac <laughs> but mainly I always like to do one of these at the end of each season so that I can compare what changes you know and like after the draft or whatever and Will Fuller it's 2020 ADP that we have to draft with so maybe that skews it a bit he went in the middle of the fifth round which is the price you had to pay for him come late August drafts this year so not really seeing him climb up a whole lot to me is just a huge buying opportunity now I yeah like if 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 it ends up that he goes back around the fifth round, sixth round, then I'm I'm with you. I'm sort of back all in on him. I you know, I'm just I'm sort of trying to gauge how everybody's feeling, you know, kind of at large and, and whether or not uh you're gonna get people that are sort of like, hey, you know, you know, the argument before had been, well, he's always injury prone. I know this isn't an injury, but you know, that easily morphs into he's just not available consistently when you need him to be. And I don't know if that's going to impact his draft status at all next year, but you know, again, if it does, if it pushes it down so that he's still available in like the sixth round or seventh round, um, I'm all in. I'm totally back on Will Fuller in, in 2021. There, there um, was a lot of jokes when he got suspended. Like, this is the reason why he was healthy all year. And, and I knew it was jokes at the time, but I would not be surprised if that is a narrative that lowers his oh. ADP come, come the summer. 
I can absolutely see that narrative forming that, you know what, if he's if he's not uh, you know, violating r- rules, um, then does he stay healthy in 2021? But again, I'm with you. If if it depresses his ADP, uh, you know, if I get it with with Will Fuller as like a third wide receiver or whatever, depending on how I do my draft, I'm all about it. I'm all about that life. Um, all right. This brings us to the Falcons to sort of round out this version of the exit interviews. They were four and 12. They are in the number four slot uh, in the draft and they have their first round pick. So they'll actually pick in the fourth spot. Um, I can't figure out the Falcons other than to say, if there is a lead to cough up, they will probably cough <laughs> it up. That's all I can really pinpoint with this team. What, what did you see from them that was good in 2020? Oh, they're wide receivers. I, I think like Julio was up and down. I know he missed a lot of time, but when he was healthy, he still was maybe he wasn't the Julio of three years ago, but he was still a very productive fantasy wide receiver. And then Calvin Ridley lived up to I not only did he live up to expectations, which is hard to do in fantasy because people put such lofty expectations on these players, but he also I think exceeded them. Like a lot of people were like all right, he's a top 15. Like, I had him in my top 15, but I did not have him in my top 10. And a lot of people said he's this year's Chris Godwin. But I think if you pressed a lot of those fantasy players and said, do you think he's going to finish top five like Godwin did, they might have pumped the brakes on that a little bit. He finished top five just behind Adams, Hill, Diggs, and Hopkins. So right behind the elite wide receivers this year. I think he is a big bright spot for this team this year and going forward. Yeah, Calvin Ridley really asserted himself as an elite fantasy receiver. And, and I don't know that anybody saw that as a major surprise. I mean, we, we've seen that budding over the last couple of years, but I do think he really took that to the next level this past year. But he was kind of the one thing I think that was the most consistent because he was healthy and he was productive every week. Um, you know, you, you had issues pretty much everywhere else on that offense. Um, and so, you know, I, Calvin Ridley is another guy who we'll, we'll talk about probably second round next year. Um, but he he is, I think, you know, we'll see what happens with their quarterback position, too, because I think that's going to be kind of an interesting conversation. They're sort of tied into Matt Ryan for the next year, maybe two. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if you see them draft the heir apparent to Matt Ryan coming up this year, because I think uh, I think that's yeah, that's a conversation that they have to have in that building with a guy who is, what, 36, 37 years old. I think he'll be 36 uh, next season. So at that point, at some point, they got to start having that conversation down there in Atlanta. Uh, what what needs to get better for this team in 2021? Well, for one, they need to get a running, a new running back. Like, I think we all at the time when they signed Todd Gurley were like, all right, well, this isn't the long-term answer. Maybe they can get one more good year out of Todd Gurley, and they weren't able to. Like, Todd Gurley lost the job by the end of the year to Ito Smith, who isn't anything special. We've seen Brown Hill mix in there. He's not anything special. Like, I think they desperately need to upgrade the running game, especially get a tool threat back I think like a running back that can catch passes out of the backfield as well because we saw when the Falcons off I know it was different coordinators and stuff but when the Falcons had Devonta Freeman who was a legitimate pass catching threat out of the backfield he would put up big time passing game numbers and it would only help Matt Ryan so I think that is where they desperately need to upgrade I think they're set the rest of the offense with with Hayden Hurst Julio Jones Calvin Ridley and and Russell Gage um, so O-line and running back would be where I would say, too. They, I'm hoping that they upgrade. Running back definitely is a, a big spot for them. Uh, offensive line, probably another one. You know, I, I'm curious what happens 
Um, we talk about you know the quarterback position. I don't know if they do anything at wide receiver with Julio getting older and kind of nearing the end of his contract. Although I feel like wide receivers nowadays are a lot easier to come by, especially in the draft. So, so maybe they don't they don't do as much there. But running back is a huge, huge need for this team in 2021. But as we're talking about Julio Jones, we know he's still very good, and in real football, he is still one of the best receivers in the league when he is healthy and on the field. After this past year, though, is he still an elite fantasy wide receiver? I do not think so, because to me, elite is like top five or so. Um, And when I did my early 2020 top 12 wide receivers, I put him at 12 and I put him at 12 more so because like, all right, he's still Julio. He could have, uh, you know, another big year and it wouldn't surprise me. But like I have him behind like young receivers like AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley. I, I still have Allen Robinson ahead of him now uh, because I, Robinson's a free agent and hopefully can get a, a better quarterback. But I, I do think Julio Jones can still put up wide receiver one type numbers in fantasy, elite numbers. I don't know. I, I worry though, Marcus, because health has been a con- an issue for him throughout his career. And I know the last couple of years he's put that to bed, but this year it, it re reared its ugly head again in a big way. He only played nine games, very low fantasy points per game for him. And what I looked most at, it's a nerdy stat, but fantasy points per route ran. It's just like, what are you doing when you're out on the field? Are you able to make the most of your opportunities? And he's had a decrease the last two seasons from a couple of years ago. He was at 0.6 fantasy points per route ran. The last two, it's been more down at like 0.5. So starting to see that slight decrease, that doesn't sound like a huge drop off, but in a stat like this, it's kind of a big one. So I I do think that he's on the back end of being a top 12 wide receiver, which to me kind of makes me want to go in another direction because I'm a believer. I'd rather be off of a player a year early than a year late. I think that's going to be, I think the narrative when we get to drafts next year. And it's, it's funny because I feel like we're going to look back at Julio Jones's fantasy career and feel like he was, perennially underdrafted because for a long time the narrative was well he just doesn't score touchdowns and I'm like so what he gets you you know close to 100 catches uh and he gets you 14 1500 yards so what you know like I'll you know I'll figure out the rest of it now it's going to be that well okay injury hasn't been a major issue in the sense of missing games before this year but you know the last couple years how many times can we count where he's questionable going into a game. He he's a game time decision. He plays and then he's just a decoy. And I think that's going to frustrate a lot of people. And in a lot of ways, I sort of see this transition in Atlanta between Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, sort of the way they transition from Roddy white to Julio Jones, where Roddy white was that, that number one wide receiver and that mainstay in the passing game. And they draft Julio Jones. And within a year or two, uh, Roddy White was sort of phased out and Julio became that dude. And now it's sort of the same where Julio has been that guy for a long time. Calvin Ridley has come in and I think he's taking over as the number one receiver there in Atlanta. I mean, father time comes for all of us, not named Frank Gore. Uh, and so, <laughs> so Julio Jones, uh, I think is sort of experiencing that. And I'm curious, I, I feel like, you know, I would peg it right now. Let's say, okay, let's say right now, Julio Jones in round three do you do that or not probably not I, I know it it it's a value there for sure but I think that my approach is going to be a lot of get my running backs and my tight ends early so I, I don't know if I go off of that approach to grab a Julio Jones would you take him in the third round 
Probably not, because I'm I'm feeling cause I, I know we sort of talked about the fourth round and some of the guys that potentially are going to be out there in the fourth round. And, you know, I just don't think so. I, I think round four, I feel better. Maybe round five, I feel great. Um, round three feels a little bit too rich for me right now. Um, Marcus, to your point, though, you said like when it's all said and done, he's going to be underdrafted. Like, was there ever a year where Julio Jones was the consensus wide receiver one in fantasy? I know he's finished, as, like, but in drafts, I don't think there was. I, yeah, the only the only year I could think would have been 2016, because that 2015 year, he had 136 catches, 1800 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, that's all. That's the only year that I can think of in terms of that. Uh, and and I mean, let me look and see. I'm, I'm going to, as I'm filibustering here, seeing who ah, <laughs> sure. kind of put you on the spot there. No, 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 it's fine. Like this is, this is the joy of doing this audio show because like on the, the video show, we couldn't like do this sort of stuff. So like we can sort of filibuster. So here's the thing that was maybe his best year fantasy wise, but um, Antonio Brown had the same number of catches just slightly fewer yards and more touchdowns. So, so it might, it might be that he's never been the consensus number one <laughs> wide receiver because, you know, AB was, was walking the earth and doing his thing at that point. So if, if, if it was if in a world where Antonio Brown doesn't exist, we are talking about Julio Jones is one of the best wide receivers ever. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is Matt Ryan still draftable as a fantasy quarterback next year? I think so. I, but as a QB two, like, so I did my early QB one rankings and like, I did not have him in my top 13, but I think he comes in that next group. Like, uh, so some quarterbacks I had ahead of him, you know, the obvious elite guys, but then I had, I had Herbert ahead of him, Hertz, Taysom Hill, if he is the starter, uh, Tan Hill, Joe Burrow. But I think after that, there would be a tier of like QB twos that has Trevor Lawrence in it for some upside, Tom Brady. Uh, Matt Ryan, because those are quarterbacks, I think, that in the right matchup or, or like if they're at home for those guys who play indoors, like you can use them and stream them there. So if I wait on a quarterback, I, I think those are one of the fallback options you can get. But are they is Matt Ryan anymore a, a quarterback that I think you need to draft as your starter? No way. Yeah, I, you know, I think if you are still doing the wait on a quarterback, if you want to wait until the double digit rounds for a quarterback, Matt Ryan is going to be one of those guys that that you pick up that you you target there because you know the ceiling is still fairly high. Now the problem this year is that you know the floor was was a little bit low at times and that is what worries me. But then again, I also feel like if you're waiting till the 10th round to draft a quarterback, you're probably okay with streaming guys. You're not you're not taking a guy in the 10th round and expecting that that player is going to be your you know bona fide starting him no matter what sort of guy you're drafting a Matt Ryan maybe you're drafting another guy probably with the last pick or you're just going to hit the waiver wire every week and you're going to play matchups more often than not because I just can't imagine you're going to ride for you know 12 13 games consecutively with Matt Ryan um it's just just not going to happen I don't think uh you, you you talked about the running game is there running is there RB1 for next season on the roster right now I don't think so like I I it hurts me to say, but Todd Gurley might be out of the league next year. He played that poorly this season. Uh, I think like Ito Smith and Brian Hill, like those are depth pieces. Like if you're like, I think in their ideal world, those guys would have been solid backups. If Todd Gurley lived up to expectations, he clearly did not. Um, 
I think they either need to draft a running back, and we've seen it, Marcus. Like, yes, there's still these high-end running backs that you can take in the first round, but you could find a start NFL starting running back in like rounds three or four of the NFL drafts, sometimes even later. So take a shot on a couple of young running backs, maybe sign someone, but do something because I do not think at all that their RB1 is on their roster right now. Wouldn't be surprised if we see them, you know, third round later, uh, take some shots at some running backs in this draft. They've got a lot of spots they've got to fill. They've got a lot of issues to, to kind of work out. But um, running backs, one of them, we know they're not going to spend a high draft pick on them because that's just not what teams do generally nowadays. But they, they cannot go back into 2021 with the, the running back stable that they have. So, uh, all right. So that's a, that takes care of the top four in our draft. We'll have some more for you on Thursday. We'll do uh, you know, picks five through eight. Five through eight uh, and, and have those for you as well as we kind of continue our exit interviews uh, all throughout the season. And, you know, as we get uh, you know a little further on, as we have teams that lose in the playoffs uh, and, and whatever, we'll we'll add those in as well. Uh, one of the something fun as we, we wrap up here. Going to the three ring circus where we pick three of a specific topic. Uh, and this week, because what I finally did is I finally dove into Cobra Kai. Have you watched this? at all Florio. I haven't but I've heard great things from everyone who has so I, I blew through season one pretty quickly and I was mad that it took me this long to watch it because it's great it's a lot of fun um you know it, it takes the Karate Kid story and sort of you know, flips it 30 years later uh Johnny Lawrence is kind of a down and out and and uh Daniel LaRusso went on to become this big you know car dealer and he's super rich and lives in Encino and, and all this stuff uh, and they end up sort of butting heads together as Johnny gets the Cobra Kai dojo up and running again. But it's awesome. And it made me think, like, if you could pick three movies that deserve sort of like a, a TV treatment, a TV spinoff, uh, what would they be? And I want I don't know if Steve, I, I, I don't know if you threw three in there. If you got three. Well, I got I, oh, well, then you got you, you sound like you're ready to go. If you have three, what, what three would you go with? You want all three right now? One, two, three? Yeah, just knock them out. All right. All right. The next version of The Office, Anchorman. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. We got that. Um, I am still watching Batman on an animated cartoon. I want to see Batman real life, not 12-year-old Batman like in Gotham, real life <laughs> right now fighting Mr. Freeze, Penguin, Scarecrow. <laughs> all the, I don't know how it hasn't happened. I need that like yesterday. Okay. Um, th those are my safe two. And my risky one, um, I don't think there's a good horror show out there right now for TV or and streaming. Uh, they have American Horror Story out there, but it's really more of a thriller. I want Halloween. Michael Myers. Ooh. Every 20 or 40 minutes, depending on how long you want to do the episodes, you have a big cliffhanger opportunity. Like They're hiding in the closet. Michael Myers is coming in. Uh, I think that could be a really good get together show. It's high risk. It's high risk, but I think there's this could be a really fun one as a TV series. You'd have to do that like on HBO or Netflix or something where you can be, definitely where you are outside of the bounds of the FCC and you can do that. <laughs> yeah, wow. this is not a rated G show. That's for yeah, sure. I mean, this, this is not going to be on ABC anytime soon, is all I'm saying. No. Uh, all right, uh, Florio, did you have three? I do. I struggled with this, though, because for me, I, I kept thinking of TV shows that I would like to see as movies. So I was doing the exact opposite. Um, so I went with my first my my two favorite movies and they're kind of 
I think they would be solid TV shows. Like Goodfellas is my favorite movie of all time. So I think that could be like the second coming of Sopranos. You have a lot of cliffhangers, like when someone's about to get whacked or something like that. Uh, I love Pirates of the Caribbean, the original. So I would pick that one because I don't think there's a pirate show on TV, at least not a good one right now. And I I've always loved pirates. So I would pick that as one. And then the third one I really struggled on. Um, I, I thought about the Dark Knight. And then uh, one of my buddies texted me and was like, why not American Pie? And I was like, you know what? Like, that could be a really good sitcom that, like, it, it's like high school, college kids just doing what college and high school kids do. And I think that, that would be, like, a good hearty, like, good hearted TV show. I, I love that one. Actually, I think that would be – I think that actually <laughs> – that translates well, uh, especially for Netflix. I think it would be would be great. Um, okay, so mine, I, I went kind of 90s action movie in a lot of ways. My first one would be, uh, I love the movie Desperado, the Richard Rodriguez, or Robert Rodriguez with uh, Antonio Banderas. And I want, I want Antonio Banderas' character to run some like Mandalorian type side missions. That's like, that's just the whole show where he's like, you know, he's a man, he's a, a mariachi going from town to town and he like helps people or whatever. And then he like plays a gig at the local cantina or something like that. Uh, so that's one I wanted. Um, the movie Galaxy Quest. Duh. Let's just make episodes of <laughs> Galaxy Quest, right? Like, let's do that. Sign us Star Trek style. Let's just do Galaxy Quest as a TV show. Uh, the third one, I, I sort of I sort of cheated here, right? I know this is my topic and I sort of cheated on it. Um, because I've always wanted a season of the show 24 where it's just Jack Bauer's day off. Where like every episode <laughs> is just Jack doing mundane things. Like I just want an episode of like Jack in line at the bank or whatever. Or like Jack, you know, having coffee and reading the newspaper. Stuff like that. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Um, you just so keep yeah. waiting for something to happen, something but it happens. never does. Nothing ever does, right? Like maybe he gets mad because like the neighbor's dog pooped on his lawn and didn't pick it up or something like that. Like that's where he explodes. Uh, but <laughs> that, that's that's what it is. Uh, if any of you guys out there have some of these that you feel like want to see, uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter uh, and, and let us know because I think it'd be a, a fun thing to kind of conversate about uh, when things are not quite as busy as they have been in the past. In the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, every novel is a mystery novel if you never finish it. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we'll see you on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.